Night racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. Hook him up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Man, what a Monday it is. A day off for most folks. It's Labor Day. It's Labor Day, but, you know, it's football season, so we're not. Oh, man, what? Ran in here this morning to talk some Texas football with Rod Babers. Damn right, bro. I woke up. I was excited this morning. Me too. Let's get it going. It says, agree with Rod's O-line assessment, spot on. Could you ask him to kindly address specifics on what need to be done to correct the mistakes made against Rice for this weekend's game? Uh, we will do that coming we'll up. We'll get into that. Rod's yes. got a rant coming up, which yes. is the uh, – you're not always angry in your rants. You're no, no, detail-oriented. No. Yes. More of a rabbit-holing uh, session, if you will. Rod's red rabbit hole. Now, even though that sounds dirty, rabbit-holing. <laughs> That's where Ty lives. Ty, our, our producer, lives in – by the way, Ty, at our pregame show at the – Mockingbird Saloon. What a great, cool location that was. Thanks, everybody, that came out to that. That was fantastic. We'll be back there again in the evening this time for the Wyoming game. Home games, baby. That's that's our spot. That's our spot, Mockingbird Saloon. And so, uh, Ty, you had you 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 were drinking uh, some some beers early, and then you had something called a mind eraser (laughs) at like one o'clock. How'd that go? It was good. It was a good day. Did you erase your mind? uh, For the second half. (laughs) What's what's in a mind eraser? I I don't even know. <laughs> That's, to be young, to me, just ask for a drink and not even know what's I in. I forgot. It oh, tasted like, oh. like almost like some coffee liqueur in there. Oh, that does not sound. I can't. Nope. That's nope. Not. That, yes, that's, nope. No, nah, I can't do that. No, yeah, my body won't allow it. I'm 40 something, so that's okay. I'm glad I didn't partake with my man Ty, but I had a great time at Mockingbird Saloon. They did a great job. Can I give one note on that? Because the, the Mockingbird Saloon sits right next to the Kirby Lane Cafe. Oh, yeah. And uh, so, so I got there to do the, the show at noon, and then I had to race home to do the Inside Texas Watch Party, the in-game watch, mm-hmm. which is so much fun on their YouTube channel on Texas football. Uh, really, really fun. And hopefully you can tune in this year because, it's man, we had a ton of people watching and playing along with us and asking questions during the game. Oh, yeah. Man. That was good. But so I had to eat something. So I, I ordered to go a Kirby Lane Cafe hamburger, not knowing if their burgers were good. That's a damn good burger. Well, you uh, really? Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever had a. I've eaten a lot at Kirby Lane. Never had a burger there in my life. It was a bacon cheeseburger. Huh. I ate that. Ate that in the car on the way home because I, that's all I had time for. <laughs> I was racing home. It was good. Props to Kirby Lane. You think pancakes and breakfast? That's, that's what I'm thinking about when I go to Kirby Lane. That's good. I don't think I've ever had anything other than breakfast. Now that you said something, man, I that, okay. that was on point. There you go. On point. You're representing. All right. So uh, join us next week. This week uh, we will tell you where we're going to be for our big watch party for Texas and Alabama. It'll be the biggest in town, I promise you. Uh, details on that coming up. Yeah, just, just, if there's one bigger, I'd love to see it. That's right. <laughs> I'd love to see That's that right. location. <laughs> uh, all right, so we've got uh, college football on the brain, but it's a busy sports Monday this Labor Day. Let's get you caught up with all of it. Top Gun Equipment Rentals bring you the news, and there is plenty of it uh, outside the Longhorns, which we'll get back into coming up. But uh, how about the college football last night and yesterday, uh, Orlando? Statement win for eighth-ranked Florida State. They spanked uh, fifth-ranked LSU 45-24. It was 17-14 at halftime. LSU 
The Knolls outscored Brian Kelly's squad 31-7 in the second half. Kelly called it a total failure after the game. FSU quarterback Jordan Travis accounted for five TDs, including three touchdown passes to the Michigan State transfer Keon Coleman. Also yesterday, Clemson transfer DJ Uyunglele accounted for five touchdowns to lead 18th-ranked Oregon State to a big win over San Jose State, 42-17. That Beavers win capped off a perfect 12-0 weekend for the soon-to-be obsolete Pac-12, including Colorado's incredible win at TCU on Saturday. Horn Frogs' loss was one of four suffered by Big 12 teams in Week 1. Texas Tech lost in overtime to Wyoming at Laramie, 34-33. Uh, West Virginia got rocked by 7th-ranked Penn State, 38-15. Biggest stunner of the weekend came in Waco. Texas State Bobcats went into uh, McLean Stadium and took down the Bears, 42-31. Transfer quarterback T.J. Finley threw for 298 and three scores, ran for another. Bobcats, as uh, Rod Babers just told you, are in their first win ever over a Power 5 team for first-year head coach G.J. Kinney. News from the NFL, Dallas Cowboys have locked up another one of their young pieces, right tackle uh, Terrence Steele reached a new contract agreement yesterday, $50 million in, in guaranteed money. He was entering the final year of his previous deal, was set to be a free agent after this season. He is locked up now. Baseball, tough weekend in Houston for the Astros. They got swept by the Yankees, beaten Go last to- night on Sunday Night Baseball 6-1. to The Yankees' 20-year-old phenom Jason Dominguez smacked a tie-breaking two-run homer in the sixth inning to help the Yankees complete that sweep. The scuffling Rangers, meanwhile, avoided a sweep in Arlington yesterday at the hands of the Twins, and they can thank El Bombi for that. Aldolis Garcia struck out in the first four at-bats of the game against Minnesota, but he was uh, up to lead off the ninth inning in a 5-5 game. Aldolis hits that one high. Walk-off for the win is 34th home run of the year, 100th RBI. They get the win there. So, so Texas and Houston tied behind Seattle one game uh, in the AL West. They're going to open a huge three-game series this afternoon at Globe Life Field. Game one set for 3:05. The final regular season games between the Lone Star rivals. Houston's won six of the ten meetings so far. Game one has J.P. France against Andrew Heaney. Soccer wasn't a win, but not a loss for Austin FC last night in Boston. Alexander Ring scored it in the fourth minute of stoppage time. Second half stoppage time as Austin played to a 2-2 draw with New England, the Revolution, who had won six in a row on their home pitch. And we mentioned Lionel Messi had two assists as Inter-Miami beat LAFC 3-1 last night in a jam-packed crowd out in L.A. Volleyball defending national champions Texas raised their championship banner to the Raptors at Gregory Gym yesterday, but then lost. Second-ranked Stanford came to town and killed the mood. They topped the Longhorns in their home opener in straight sets. They're 2-2 two two on the young season. Corn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. The heat's made us crazy. Get up to $100 off select steel backpack blowers and employee pricing on all zero-turn mowers in stock this month at Top Gun. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. Oh, all right. Good. I will say the good news for Texas, no matter how you feel about the Texas Rice game. And, of course, we're all overreacting to the Texas Rice game. All right. The, and, by the way, the overreaction is warranted because you got Bama next week. Yeah. So it would be different if you were you know, you know, got a chance to kind of gradually ease your way into Big 12 play. That would be something different. No, no, no. You got Bama this, no, next week, this week. And when you played the game, it was next week. But this week. So that's why I think Lohan fans, if people are – you know, wondering, man, why are they freaking out about this? That's why they're freaking out because those concerns are the problems you have to address. You don't have a lot of time to address them. <laughs> and there are some things that were issues last season that still, at this point, look like they weren't remedied and they weren't corrected over the offseason 
that can be the deep ball. Also, some of the pass protection issues. Um, hopefully, and my man uh, Drew Kelson brought this up. Shout out because <laughs> uh, we were talking on the because I went off on the on Texas uh, post game once. And of course, I mean I'm entitled to go off every now and then. And I, w- I was going off about something. And he's like, man, I think maybe uh, Sarks is trying to pull though though rope a dope. Rope a dope, little rope a dope, little okie doke out there. Oh, y'all think I can't complete these deep balls, or I'm obsessed with the deep ball, or the offense is gonna look a certain kind of way, and then maybe you know in the Bama game, boom, they have solved all those problems. They just did not do it versus Rice, so hopefully that's the case. Yeah, maybe it's the old rope a dope, rope a dope. Hey, before we get into your rope-a-dope. rant and we hear from Sark in the immediate post game and your analysis, Rod, could we hear uh, Deion Sanders in his oh, pregame suite please. speech? I mean, this is like Al Pacino-type stuff from any given Sunday. So his first game as a D1 head coach, Mm -hmm. Colorado at TCU, wearing the the smooth sunglasses, the the cool white on on gold. It was clean. Clean looking. How was he wearing a sweatshirt? Uh, Because it was 108 degrees. Hey. By the he's, way, he's trying to he's sell it. He's called mar, it's called marketing. Marketing. Man. He's Mark. he's selling that switch. I would love to see how many they sold. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is how he fired up his team. And boy, if you saw that team, they came out like a house of fire mm-hmm. and really dominated TCU. TCU rallied, you know, kind of kind of got staggered early, but got back in it. Took the lead a couple times, but in the end, it was a fourth and two play that they went for. Dion did that turned into the game winning touchdown, forty five forty two, and a thriller. You maybe not see a better game all year than what we saw in Fort Worth on Saturday. But here's how it started with primetime, getting his his uh, his team fired up. Long before this, but he's been holding it. Because it's not about them. This is about us. This has nothing to do with the team that's opposing us. This is about us. This ain't got nothing to do with the naysayers, the, the unbelievers, the haters, the doubters. This is about us. When we started this journey, we told you it was going to be trying, it was going to be tough, but you endured because it's about us. That man next to you is a miracle. That man next to you is a believer. That man next to you is a go-getter. That man next to you is a dog. That man next to you is somebody who wants this thing. That man next to you is somebody who believes. That man next to you is somebody that got to have it today. We ain't got tomorrow. We got now. We ain't got next. We got now. We ain't coming no more. We here. 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 We Oh, man. Come on, Rod. You ready to play? Yeah, you know I would have played for D. That's why I won number 21. I know there are a lot of unbelievers out there, but hey, I, I wasn't one of them, Dion. I wasn't one, brother. I believed in you. You certainly From did. From the jump. <laughs> Can I play one other thing on a Monday, a Labor Day, to get you fired up if you're Ooh, uh, That was good. I got one more for you. That was good stuff. I got my juices flowing right there. Let's get into the uh, Texas football locker room after the 37-10 to 10 win. One, two, three, Texas! Can I just say this? The uh, the pace is 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 pretty quick, and these the they're very abrupt. Yeah. Did you notice how abrupt they are when they stop? There's no. We didn't. I don't think we were that abrupt, and our pace wasn't as fast. 
You know what I mean? They go quick. Like, yeah, they got, yeah, we were like, we were a little bit more leisurely in our pace. You know, kind of like an R&B. Like pace to it. They're, they're going staccato. <laughs> yeah, they take five, take five, you go by the A and M. Take five, take five, and it's like whoa. Hey now, very. Well, yeah, there's a win. And, no, I'm, uh, I'm with it, but man. much uh, as we do on Mondays, there was some good, there was some bad, and there was some ugly for Texas. Let's get to the uh, the first rant of the day from Mr. Rod Babers. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, I think uh, the uh, the rant has to be about the performance of the uh, to start with the performance of the offensive line yesterday in pass protection. And I know a lot of Lowhorn fans were upset about what they saw. Some people put it on Quinn Ewers. Some people put it on the offensive line. I do think the the the, the pass protection issues. I don't think it's just one variable and one factor. I think it's any it's, it's it's offensive line. It's them not being able to pick up and pass off uh, defenders who are obviously pressuring the opposing pressuring their quarterback. I should say and. Use being able to pick up those twists and stunts. So we're talking about guys who are looping uh, twists and stunts up front. Uh, Rice also added blitzers from the second level. Um, late delayed blitzers from the second level also making it tougher for offensive linemen to pass off those defenders uh, in pass protection and to communicate post snap. And we also know that when you line up all your a lot of defenders, seven, eight defenders uh, on, at the line of scrimmage, some in a two point, some in a three point. Uh, we also know that when you have a simulated pressure from that look, they call it an amoeba look or a ghost front is what I have some uh, coaches who like to call it that. Um, but that will also allow you to confuse the pass blocking schemes because they don't know a simulated pressure is when you bring four instead of five. You just make it look, smell walk, talk like a blitz, but it's actually not a blitz. You make them think it's a blitz, but you bring four, and you're going to end up dropping three or dropping four. Uh, they just don't know which four you're going to bring and which three or four you're going to drop. Uh, and that look also worked really well for Rice uh, when they use simulated pressures. And you can combine all that, by the way. You can <laughs> have an amoeba uh, ghost front and use simulated pressures with twists and stunts up front. Uh, that you know, I mean, or you can do it by bringing a defender from the second level, and I guarantee you that Nick Saban, who is you know, of course, the goat, uh, he, he's pretty dialed in. Um, now when looked at the three sacks that Texas gave up versus Bama last season, two of them were simulated pressures. So there's a good chance that Dave Aranda got some of his game plan from Alabama. Yeah, <laughs> um, and that he just took it to another extreme in the last regular season game last season where B- Baylor was able to get to Texas five times and four out of those five sacks were either simulated pressures and or amoeba fronts. So Dave Aranda figured it out. And I think that you got to give Mike Bloomgren and his staff a lot of credit. E, they took they took a lot of those concepts that. And, you know, I'll give us some credit because we've been talking about it. People are probably tired of hearing me talk about it because every platform I've been on, I've been like, hey, man, I watched that Baylor game. And I got to tell you, Dave Aranda really figured something out. Um, and at the time, I think people were like, shut up, Rod. Nobody wants to hear about that. And Dave Aranda, what do you keep talking about it for? Well, the reason I keep talking about it is because I'm a football guy. <laughs> and there are people like me that work for these staffs. They're, they're, just, they're, they're like me. I'm the assistant to the head coach or whatever, some analyst. They're like me. They just sit in the film room for eight to ten hours. And they find these little trends. 
They find these little patterns. They find these habits. They find these tendencies and go, you know what? This may work. We should extrapolate this and we should be a little bit more extreme in our approach about it. But this is a weakness that we've identified over this much of a sample size. And it's pretty clear the blueprint is out, E, on how to pressure Texas. Simulated pressures. And uh, look, I mean, it's, it's it's out there. And, you know, the pro, and the pro football focus grades would back up what your eyes told you on Saturday. The, the tackles played well. Kelvin Banks and Christian Jones both got graded out around 75. Uh, the interior did not. The interior looked looked uh, confused, it was indecisive. Um, even in their run blocking at times, Rod, they, they – and, again, this is where Hayden Connor was playing left guard last year against Baylor when those simulated pressures had him confused. He was didn't know who to pick up, who to pass off. And we saw that again in this game. And, look, uh, if you're going to get your quarterback immediate pressure up the middle, you know, right in his face, you're not going to play long, Rod, because you're going to get your quarterback hurt. Yeah. I mean, that's just – that's. I mean, you can't let it happen. These are these are free runners that are coming at your quarterback. That's the one thing – that's one of the things that was of concern for me for Texas. Quinn, yours took a lot of hits in that game. I mean, he took he, some shots. He did. And, by the way, a lot some of that's free rusher uh, based on the pass protection, that's on the quarterback. That's yeah. his guy. That's yep. your hot. Like you, you know what I mean? You're responsible for that guy. It means you got to get the ball out before that guy gets home. And that they, that's why that's that's why this those specific pressure packages are intentional and deliberate. You want Quinn Ewers having to process that. You want Quinn Ewers thinking to himself, damn it, if this pass protection is wrong, that hot's on me. And that guy's coming right at my face, and I'm trying to throw this deep ball. You know what I mean? You, and so this is why it, it's also tied to Sark, right? That pass protection is tied to Sark. We need Sark to uh, come up and construct the game plans where the ball is out of Quinn's hands before the pass rush can get there, before the offensive linemen can get confused about the pass blocking scheme and that can get to Quinn. The way you can neutralize a lot of pressure is quick game, quick game, quick and game. And that was the third quarter. And Yes, RPOs, exactly. That was that the was third it. quarter. And you know how many deep balls they had in the second half for Quinn? One. One. Just one. Yeah. So I'm not saying don't throw the deep ball. We're talking about the timing of it, and we're talking about staying ahead of the chains. And that deep, by the way, the deep ball, your deep vertical routes, that's when the pressure's coming because yeah. it takes longer for those plays to develop, and then Quinn's looking downfield. And by the way, we'll get into this a little bit more, but like I said, the – the game plan is out on how to pressure Texas, and that's why I was beating that dead horse about watching that the Baylor game and all those sacks. It's out, guys. I, I found it. If I found it, it's out. Yeah. I told you before the Rice game, it's out there. If Rice is on to it, then you know Nick Saban is salivating at it. You better figure it out. You better figure it out quick. And if you can't figure it out, E, then what are the other solutions? Let's say your O-line is just bad at that. All right, your O-line is bad. What I say about coaches, they're problem solvers. Solve the problem. All right. The problem is your guys cannot pick up uh, simulated pressures, twists and stunts, having to pass those guys off and communicate post-snap. Okay, that's fine. How do we eliminate less exposure for them? How do we eliminate that situation? Quick game. Get the ball out of his hands. Yep. All right. RPOs, short intermediate game. Because then the long vertical routes downfield, I'm not saying eliminate them totally, but you definitely need to decrease though that amount because that's what's getting your quarterback in a position, like you said, he, where he's getting hit too much. Yeah, uh, you're right. He took some shots. Now, let's hear Sark after the game immediately uh, talking about the O-line, uh, some of the difficulties, and uh, the run game. Even in the run game, they weren't getting a big push. I know that was one of your big conversations last week, Rod. Can, you know, if you can't push Rice, you're not pushing Alabama. I promise you that with that interior. Uh, here's Sark after the game about the O-line. Steve, can you, um, can you tell us what you thought of the offensive line, the running game, and what happened to C.J. Baxter? Yeah, you know, I think – from an O-line perspective, um, 
I thought it was fine. You, you know, we got a lot of different stuff today. <laughs> That's always one of the challenges in week one. You, you never really know. Um, and when a team does something dramatically different than what's on tape, you got to be, you got to make those adjustments, not just as a staff, but the players need to. And I thought we found some rhythm in the running game. I thought the protection uh, got better as we went along. Um, so on, on that front, do I want it to be better? Of course I do. Like that aspect, I'm always striving for it to be better. But um, I do understand where some of the mishaps might have come. And so we got to get that cleaned up because if, if not, some of the same things we saw today, we will continue to see. CJ obviously had that nice run. Um, and I think what it looked like is he landed on the ball and, and kind of had a, a rib issue uh, that we just wanted to make sure we were getting checked out. So I, I, I don't, I'm hopeful it's not serious, but, but we don't know for sure yet. And he, uh, he was on the practice field, according to reports yesterday. It's good that news. Rib. It's great news. Yeah, they're going to need him. He, he's, uh, he and uh, looks like he and Jonathan Brooks will be your one-two punch at running back. Hey, Jaden Blue, like and you Jayden said, I think Blue. he earned some reps, man. I'm I sorry, Jaden Blue might have earned himself well, some reps. Look, I'm with you, brother. But Jaden Blue is great to the outside, right? His his vision, his cutback ability. Mm -hmm. I, I really like what he does on the wing. He's got a burst. And a burst. Um, and he, he can make the first guy miss. He's got a little bit of that Bijan. He to does. Him. I agree with you on that. It's hard. Yeah, the first guy never really gets him. And then, yeah. but, but you know, to beat a team like Bama on the road or be in that game, you're going to have to run the ball between the tackles. And I think that's, I think C.J. Baxter is your best at that right now, looks to me. But uh, he's going to be okay. One other from Sark here in Rod's Rant. Let's hear Sark on uh, fixing mistakes before Bama. That's the one thing you look. We talked about going in. I think Rice, with a six-year head coach and and some 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 uh, continuity in that staff at Rice, I think this is a team that could show Texas some different looks. And they had all offseason to prepare for that game. And as you just heard Sark say, they they threw some things at him they hadn't seen before. And uh, you know the the defensive performance for Texas was was a level. Uh, against a pretty good Rice, or an offense that Rice thinks is going to be pretty good this year with JT Daniels. Texas threw a wet blanket over him the whole game, uh, holding them to 10 points, and that touchdown came very late in the game. Here's Sark on uh, you know, what they learned from this game and how they can uh, address it between now and next Saturday. Yeah, that, that's, that's of course. You know, I don't, you know, if, I, if I thought you know, we, didn't, we just were inadequate, then, then it would be a problem. But I definitely don't think we're inadequate. I think we have a good football team. Um, that's the life of a coach is to find the things where we can improve and then continue to emphasize the things that we do well. Um, naturally, you know, you, you can't go in the fourth quarter as a, as a backup and get back-to-back -back personal fouls and, and you can't fumble the snap. And th that's why you have to give those guys that experience because they have to get in the game and have some of those growing pains. Um, but the beauty of it, I thought, for the frontline guys offensively was that they were able to make that adjustment at halftime and find that rhythm in the third quarter um, and have three straight drives and, and have really good execution. So that was a real positive for me of growth in the moment in the game that uh, I think we can build upon. Right there, Sark uh, got to fix them, and I do think they looked – I mean, that third quarter was was what you're looking for, and it was quick game, Rod. It was RPO, it was quick game, ball out of Quinn's hands quickly, whether it was to X-Man, to J.T. Sanders on the long touchdown. Mm -hmm. uh, ball was coming out quick. Real quick, and then we'll get a timeout and come back. We're going to have our Viking fence defensive player of the game. I'm going to let you pick it, Rod. Oh, that's good. How about this? Pro football focus, and we talk about their grades – Offense had a couple of guys with good grades. Defense, Jalen Ford, 91.3. Uh, Byron Murphy, 87.5. Tavondre Sweat, 90.8. Yeah, Tavondre Sweat. Vernon Broughton, 81, almost 82. Ethan Burke was an 80.8. That D-line. D-line. That deep. defense was salty. And they played – the thing I love the most is, as we said earlier, they played 30 guys or more on defense, and the, the performance didn't drop. 
You know, when Derek Williams, a true freshman, came in number two at the in safety. I mean, you didn't see any level drop. Malik Muhammad at corner. That tells hey, you that Michael Taft got the start at safety. Yeah, you're right. Because Jaron Thompson had Michael some t- Michael uh, broke team rules or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, and how about uh, how about Sark saying, you know, when you he you know studying teams over the off season, he noticed Georgia and some other teams rotate a lot of guys. He said, you know, we want to be a two or three deep defense, and we think that's going to give us the best chance to have fresh bodies and fresh people on the field all the time. And we don't lose, uh, we don't drop in talent. We'll we saw some of that on Saturday. We'll see if that's the case versus Bama. Yeah, you can talk all that now versus Rice. Is that versus Bama? You want to roll all of them out there versus Bama? Go ahead, but I'm a coach. I'm putting. I'm I only putting guys tight, out there I trust versus Bama. Uh, think, if you're trying to win that game, I you think, start rotating too many guys. Nick Saban gonna be like, excellent. <laughs> I think you're going to going to uh, tighten that up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, just this a little week. bit. Tighten the, that up. D line though, you gonna, I think D line actually you will rotate a lot of guys. I think yeah. you'll still see a lot of guys uh, in D line. But I will say this: think about it, the games are shorter, guys. Games are shorter. Well, I got the, game, the games I gotta, are a little I gotta, shorter. I got a piece of sound for you on that coming yeah. back. Oh, Plus, that's, it's a, if it's the one I think it's it's an awesome sound. Plus our uh, great sound. Our Viking fans, defensive player of the game. Uh, we'll hit some. Uh, bullish or BS before the end of the hour. We're here for you on a Labor Day talking Texas football. All right, there was Jalen Ford on a third and 16. Terrible throw by JT Daniels, forced the pass. But uh, as we saw all last year, Jalen Daniels or Jalen Ford dropping into coverage, as good a coverage linebacker as there is uh, in this uh, conference and in the country, Rod, makes the one handed interception. That's the Viking fence defensive play of the game. I'm going to give the Viking fence defensive player of the game, though, to, to Vondre Sweat. With his uh, performance in that game, Rod, I thought he was a, a game wrecker on the interior. He and Byron Murphy were both outstanding in that game. Viking fence uh, bringing you the uh, the defensive studs from that game. But how about five tackles uh, living in the backfield for, for mm-hmm. Devondre Sweat? He also had uh, five total tackles. He had, uh, boy, pressures. I thought he was outstanding in that game, pushing it. Ethan Burke had a sack and a half. Yeah, no, it was. Devondre uh, Sweat was definitely the most impactful player in my opinion, on defense. He was just, he was well, kind of a one-man wrecking crew, but Byron Murphy was right there next to him. If those two guys are going to basically demand a double team, um, and I'm not every play because obviously the offensive line can't do that, but depending on the matchup, depending on the play, um, you can basically win the numbers advantage initially at the point of attack because it's going to take three linemen to block those two guys. <laughs> most of the time, at least well, one and a half guys. So, yeah, the, if they play like that, Tavondre Sweat could be the lead dog on that D-line, and we all thought it'd be Byron Murphy, but it might be Sweat, man. Well, I think both of them bring it. And we mentioned Pro Football Focus graded out Brian Byron Murphy as the the best Texas player on the field. Yeah, exactly. I was like, you got both of those guys right next to each other. You were talking about the two best players potentially on the defense – uh, or to take the three. Three of the best players on defense are right there at that central nervous system, right, right the, up the gut. Jalen Ford. Jalen Ford right behind Tavondre Swift and Byron Murphy. That's a great recipe for a defense. <laughs> I also saw like Vernon Broughton graded out well, and he, he it's was already impactful. been Broughton. And now you see why Ethan Burke won that job on the outside. I mean, opposite uh, Baron Sorrell. As a run stopper, he's it's, it's a little underrated. Setting a, the edge. Yeah, he sets the edge pretty well as a run stopper. I was actually uh, really pleasantly surprised. Shouldn't have been. Yeah. But. And Malik Muhammad, the young kid, played really well. I'll give my defensive player of the game to – I'll give it to David Benda. He led the team in tackles. He did have that one uh, miscommunication where he kind of missed the uh, the, the, the drag, the, the underneath route. yeah, the underneath dragger. Um, he just – 
I think he got lost in coverage. He had his eyes in the backfield. When you're in zone like that, he was looking at the back in the backfield. The back went away. When the back goes away, as Coach Akeem would always say, I'm not trying to rhyme there, but I did, <laughs> your, that, your keys will take your eyes to your next key. Right, so the, if he should, if he was following the back and the back went away, his eyes should have immediately went because it was a a bunch formation to that side. Should have immediately went to that bunch formation and should have been looking for a receiver coming this way, and he he was not looking at, for that at all. But sorry, he hustled and and went up uh, making the play. I think down the field. Well, and as you said earlier, everybody overreacts to game one, but as we yes. know, one game samples um, tend to they don't tell you the whole story. Uh, and that's going to be the question. I thought you said it funny that you were on the post game show in Inside Texas with uh, Drew Kelson, who said was Sark doing some rope a dope here? Was there some? And you have to think Ooh, there was. Man. And look, well, I mean, we definitely know it was vanilla game plan. Vanilla game we plan. We know that. We know that. Yeah. And uh, we'll see. We're going to see a lot more. And Sark had a little grin in it on you know in the post game talking about you know you know we've been working on the Alabama game plan for quite a while now. <laughs> the, you know the Rice game plan not nearly as. Uh, as in depth as we're going to come with next week, okay. and uh, that's good. I think that is that is the uh, the opportunity they have here. Now, Sark was also asked, and this has been a big conversation. You've already talked about it and addressed it a couple times, Rod. The deep ball, the struggle with the mm. deep ball accuracy of his quarterback. It was back again. You know, he, he's just uh, underthrew the first one. He threw one out of bounds. It was looked like it was there to X man. Here is Sark when asked about the misfires on the uh, the deep shots. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there going to feel good when we do hit them you know and and uh you have to we have to do it because we have to be able to make people defend all three layers of the field right the line of scrimmage that then that intermediate throw and then that deep throw we have to make them defend that and i obviously i'm aware that people want to defend the deep ball against us and i think that's why we see some of those intermediate things open um, where you see a jordan whittington kind of on a crossing route for an explosive play you see um JT Sanders on his touchdown on the play pass, kind of in the intermediate for for the touchdown. So, you know, that's what taking those shots do. It it opens up that intermediate throw. Um, They feel better when we hit them, right? Or at least get a pass interference. And um, I thought we might have got a PI on one, but we got to continue to stay creative as a staff. And then we got to continue to still in belief in Quinn and the receivers that those shots are there and we're going to make those plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's like I guess it's it's a dangerous I think it's a it's a, a dangerous habit for Sark to chase the deep balls. I think that's where we get in trouble because he wants it he wants to complete them so bad and he believes that it's such a crucial element of his offense that if you look at that kind of the psychology of the play caller, he believes his offense is inadequate when he's not converting the deep ball. Um, and I think that inadequacy causes him to be a little bit insecure about his offense, and then he calls, he kind of starts chasing it. That's when you get a lot of the throws on first down. Um, 48% of Texas deep balls last season were on first down. I think that's too high, and uh, four, four of the six deep balls in this game were actually on first down. 
so which is actually even at a higher rate. I think when you and now if he completes these, then it's well worth it. But when Texas is eighth last year in converting the deep ball throws twenty yards or more downfield, it just puts your offense behind the chains. Now when you had Bijan and Rojo, not that big a deal actually, because <laughs> you had somebody to bail you out on second down and third down. But no Bijan and no Rojo. I I wonder if that's a bad habit for Sark that he he needs to break uh, throwing him so much on first down. They'll come, but if you throw him on first down a lot, that means you're chasing. And as TLC said, don't go chasing waterfalls. Stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. That's a short, the intermediate game. All right, there's Sark. Uh, Rod Babers with the uh, the don't go chasing waterfalls. Don't do it. I like the lady last week with the Guinness Book of World Records mullet. The <laughs> yeah, waterfall. exactly. That the is chasing a waterfall. She's chasing the waterfall. Yes, that's why she's single. Mullet to the ground. And by her damn self. While we're on yeah. it, let's hear one more on on Quinn's confidence because Quinn yours. There were times in the first half there just wasn't a lot of rhythm and continuity on the offensive side of the ball in the first half. You know, first drive. You know, Quinn Ewers rolled to his right and kind of slipped and fell, and then he, on fourth down, threw a bad pass to J.T. Sanders. It was thrown low. Uh, this never got rhythm. But second half, found it, and it's to your point, Rod, the quick game, the RPO game, not letting those those free rushers come and just getting the ball out of Quinn's hands. I think I think that is the best, you know, way for this Texas offense to attack people mm-hmm. with quick game, and you've said it over and over, um, you know, really, and use tempo. I mean, use tempo That's to kind of wear out the defensive line as much as you can. Because uh, this defense already shows that it's going to be able to keep you in games and may win you games this year, mm-hmm. uh, and they were outstanding. So uh, you, you combine the two. This is what what people have talked about with this Texas team, but it's going to start and end with Quinn Yours. We've said all off season the ceiling of Texas will come down to to Sark and to Quinn Yours. And uh, here's Sark talking about his quarterback uh, after the game. Hey, coach. A lot this summer about. Quinn talking about how much more comfortable he feels, the confidence in the offense. Do you think he was able to show that today in game one? I thought for the most part he did. I thought there were moments where, uh, you know, I I don't know if you guys noticed today, but Coach Milwee was on the field for us this year. So he's kind of down having his position coach on the field and Coach Jackson was upstairs. So I thought Coach Milwee and he have good rapport. And I thought that helped when things maybe got a little uneasy, uh, when the protection wasn't quite as good as we would have liked it to have been. I thought he got himself kind of re-centered. And that was a real positive for me because a year ago, you know, he got sacked a couple times there at the end of the first half. I don't know what might have happened coming out into the second half. Today, he comes out in the second half, looked much more comfortable. So he was able to recenter himself, which I think shows a lot of maturity on Quinn's part. Uh, but I think also having that rapport, having Coach Milwee on the field, I think was helpful as well. I like to hear that, Rod. I, I do too. I, I, there I'm were times you. last year where we, we – criticize Sark because he's coaching the team. Yeah. But his quarterback just needs a pep talk. He looks lost. He looks lost and he looks I'm not he really did. You saw those those shots of him on the sideline. He looked like he was a quarterback that needed some reassuring. Yeah. Right? That needed somebody over there to say it's okay. Give him a hug. Give him a, yeah. <laughs> he just needed a hug. I'm with you. That's exactly. And I, mean, I, I wanted to hug him. Sometimes I'm like, Quinn, I want to hug you, brother. Like, it's going to be all right. You're good. You're good. And none of his teammates were over there doing it, and his coach wasn't doing it. So I'm with you now. I'm glad they changed their, uh, at least the, the, the process for him on the sidelines. And he's around his teammates more, and he's got now a quarterback nurturer. He's got his quarterback coach there. Help him out. So that's, that was a smart move. And uh, so some would say sometimes he might need a kick in the rear. You know, just, whatever he needs. Whatever the pep talk is. Yes, it's good that it's there. It exactly. Now you got someone there to get to give him whatever the reassurance or whatever the criticism that he's going to need there. We just didn't like the fact that he looked. He was alone. Yeah, he looked like the shot was at. He's by himself. 
He's by himself. Yeah, he's on the phone, but then he looked like he was by himself. I didn't see teammates around him, uh, you know, supporting him. I didn't see the coaches around him. You know, uh, that that there's something to that. I, that's why they changed it. That's they right. knew it was bad. It was it was bad for their culture. It's bad for their quarterback to be in that situation where it looks like, you know, he's isolated. No, you ain't isolated. We all in this together. All right, we come back. We will uh, hit some bullish and BS here on this. Uh, what are we bullish about coming out of week one of college football? What, uh, what might we be calling BS on on the other side, including does everything really run through Lubbock? Is that true? Maybe it runs through Laramie, Wyoming. I don't know. We'll ask Joey McGuire on the other side. Some bullish and BS. Bullish or BS. Brought to you by the Austin Gamblers. Yeah, man. Bullish or BS. We now have uh, actual football games to talk about. What are you bullish on, Rod Babers? What did you see this weekend outside of Colorado that uh, you're saying, man, I, I wasn't sure, but now I'm bullish on what team? Um, man, honestly, we got to talk about what the hell Oklahoma did. Yeah. And went to Arkansas State. That was that was that was inappropriate. Like yeah. 73 to 0. And it was 28 nothing at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, they look Ooh. good in all phases. Uh, you know, Brett Venables year 2. We know the schedule is very favorable for them. So it yeah, is, I think man. You, I think you can say bullish on them. They made uh, Butch Jones cry. In the middle of the game. Who's Butch Jones? The, the coach. coach of Arkansas State. Oh, yeah. He no, cried? They did, no, they did. No, they did. There's video of him. Like, well, he's looking, not a very good coach. Didn't I don't we know learn what, that? Yeah, it does, it does look like he's like. Didn't we learn that at Tennessee? Tears. Uh, yeah, but Arkansas, good enough to score a touchdown? Yeah. Come on. Or score any points. Not a touchdown. Any points at all. Field goal. Anything would work. Bullish. That's, I'm bullish on that on an offense for Oklahoma, man. It looks, that offense looks good. And remember, they turned over that roster. They got like. You know, I want to say they had like eighty, like close to like eighty some new players in two. Oh, they, yeah, over two first, years. Over first, two years. first or two, first or second year players, I should say. Yeah, in yeah. the first two years. Yeah. Well, yeah. OU's one to watch. Now they're not going to get tested much here in the non-con uh, at all. Remember, they were three and zero in the non-con last year, and then went three and six in Big Twelve play. So did they put up seventy three points on somebody. They did. Well, remember they last were, year they were impressively three and zero last year to start mm. the year. They beat Nebraska and they beat the brakes off Nebraska they did beat at Lincoln. Nebraska really bad, but we'll see. But yes, that, that's one for sure. The one for me that stands. I mean, the Pac-12 was undefeated. That was impressive. We know their quarterbacks are really good. Uh, unfortunately, it's their last year as a conference, but they're good. Uh, and how about Florida State last night? I mean, this team that was mm-hmm. a that they was a chance. statement. I mean, uh, Brian Kelly was talking some trash ahead of this game. Pretty confident in his team. And they got yeah. they got whooped by Florida State. That is a statement game. Keon Coleman is a name to get bullish on. This is a Michigan State transfer who played basketball and football at Michigan State. Rod, he was on the basketball team. He's out of Opelousa, Louisiana. Hmm. Uh, Opelousas, hey, Louisiana. You know Louisiana got a ton of talent, man. Dude, that dude was dynamic last night. Three of uh, Jordan Travis's three touch or five touchdown passes went to him. He was uncoverable. I mean, this is an LSU defense, right? This is SEC. Yeah, NFL talent all over the damn place. Well, and he's, of course, from Louisiana, so he had a little something to show mm-hmm. them last night. Um, I yeah. thought that was good. And I would also say bullish on Mac Brown in North Carolina. I, that game on Saturday night against South Carolina, they dominated. Uh, their defense played great in that game. Spencer Rattler. Was, Drake May looked good. He was bad. Spencer Rattler, Drake May didn't have to carry that team, but did plenty in that game. Mac Brown won his 100th game as the head coach at North Carolina. First coach ever. To win 100 games at two different programs, Rod. Yeah, love that. That's a great – and love that for Mac, too, man. Um, and Mac was dancing in the locker room. He likes to dance now. I saw Sally in the background. So I'm happy for Mac. Uh, that's a, a great little nugget there. Uh, bullish or BS, I think we're all a little bit more bullish on Colorado if you weren't before Jeez. after pulling the upset over TCU. How about this, though? Most people don't understand 
they're actually they actually had some key guys that didn't play. Oh no, for Colorado. Yeah, how about this? Um, Alton McCaskill, he was presumed to be there. Well, that's a uh, Houston kid. Yeah, to be running back one. Um, he didn't play. Landon Beebe, possible starting guard for them, didn't play. Um, Brandon Brendan Gant, he had forty three games played at Florida State, didn't play. Uh, Jacquez Robinson, his Alabama transfer defensive back, didn't play. They got some guys that are considered some dogs that didn't play. <laughs> well, we we yeah. coming. I mean, Colorado. We, we played Dion's pregame speech. We'll play that again later. It's really really good. They're oh, they're gonna be fun to watch. And they're playing Nebraska this week. Matt Rule's Ooh. team who coughed up that game uh, at Minnesota last Thursday. But night. no, I am worried about a letdown though. You know, yeah. a letdown. They, they they have been riding well, this high and, you know, in a team, long time. And that's one of the TCU problems, right? They didn't have any film on Dion and what that offense was gonna look like. And you know, they 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 couldn't handle it. They missed a lot of tackles, a lot of little short passes that went to the house. Yeah. Um. That you know. Once you get that on film a little bit, you can you can study it. But uh, also bullish. I'm going to say this right in addition to Florida State and North Carolina. How about uh, how about not bullish of the three big of the four Big Twelve teams that lost? West Virginia lost to Penn State because Penn State's really good. Yeah. Uh, but to the Tech Baylor TCU triumvirate, which one are you most concerned about if you're a te- if you're a fan of oh, that team? Baylor. Yes. I mean, you got to think that's a team that with Mad Rules players, you won the Big Twelve. Yes. Two years ago, and now you're at the point now where you're losing the Texas to a group, group of five schools. Yeah, that's ugly, man. At home, at yeah, home, yeah, G five, a home. Yeah, yeah. And I'll give. This and you were twenty seven and a half point favorite. Twenty seven and a half point favorite. First time they've ever been a power five school in the history of the program. And and come on, Dave. Yeah, at home in your home opener. Come on, Dave. no excuses for uh, Texas Tech. Yeah, uh, but oh. they, now there was a there was a weather delay in that game. You know, it, season opener. We know how coaches get all freaked out. But they they their lightning delay, so that game started later than it was supposed to. And Tech came out and took the lead in that game. But Wyoming came back, and won that. You mentioned that Tech that Wyoming's defense. It's not bad, man. It's a don't dec- sleep yeah. on it. Especially the linebacks, one of the best linebacking cores that I've that I think you'll see the Texas play. Actually, I know it yeah, sounds crazy. They, but the Texas yeah. plays Wyoming. Yep. But can we give you a little Joey McGuire? This is what he had to say uh, after the game. <laughs> I'm gonna find out. Everything runs through love. Everything runs through love. Every damn thing. Now, yeah, now they got the runs in Lubbock because it's uh it's not good. And you lose to Wyoming, open yeah. the season. You think they're done talking trash for the year? Yeah, we no, won. no. I think they will be until they they until they. Where's gap. Brett Yormark? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, this this is probably the worst start that Brett Yormark could have imagined for the conference. Like two of the your big dogs, you were championing that were going to take over the league when Texas left. Had huge. I don't say embarrassing losses because TCU losing to Colorado. That may not be embarrassing. Twenty one point. Fi- yeah, exactly. You, exactly. Good point. You, you were three, three touchdown plus favorites, yes, and you lost. To, and, both, and, and, um, to both time. Both times. Also Baylor, bullish Baylor on G.J. Kinney. How about that GCU. win? How about that win? First ever game at North, at, at that level, the former Texas quarterback, yeah. and he beats, he beats a Power 5 team on the road. And you put 42 on David yeah. Randall's defense, man. Also very bullish on the University of Houston in those uniforms. I, I tweeted Ooh. this, but... Sweet. They, they beat UTSA 17-14 on Saturday down in Houston. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that. And I tweeted after watching that game, why would U of H ever not wear that uniform? Just wear it. Just, just let wear that it. be the new uniform. Don't make it a, a special thing. It's one of the best branding decisions ever. I mean, it, for, for you and me, Rod, and all Houston fans and spurned Oiler fans, it's a visceral thing. When you see that uniform, you're like, yes, I'm rooting for that team. No, oh, yeah, I agree. Why no, would you was, ever go back to the red? It looks, it looks too much like SMU's new uniforms. No, well, but well, not, no, in it, the city it, of Houston, yeah, that means it's the different. Oilers. Yes, love you, Blue. I would say that, first of all, whoever came up with the idea, give them a raise. Give them a raise. Uh, give them a raise and a promotion because they deserve it. But I, w- I would love to see the merchandising numbers 
when they because I don't know in terms of selling jerseys, they got I bet they got hats to accompany them too. Oh, because I, I would listen. Y'all wear a lot of burnt orange, but honestly, I would buy some of that Me stuff. Me too. I'm from H Town, baby. That that's how you know what I mean. And I would and I would sport it with pride. So yeah, I told my brother to try to give me some, and he was like, "Yeah, man, right now it's like selling like hotcakes. It's hard to get." Oh, well, I was watching that game and grabbing <laughs> some dinner after the Inside Texas watch oh, event watch thing, uh, and. It was on, and everybody's walking up saying, "Who is that? Who, who, who's playing?" <laughs> yes. I'm like, "That's U of H." Oh man, man, that's so cool! Uh, everyone was it was it was eye catching, and mm-hmm. they won the game 17-14. That was what. By the way, Ty went two and three on his five picks. Two and three on his five. Damn it! In the Sex Panther picks. The Sex Panther picks. Hey, he had some bad losses. He had the Cal game, and Cal smashed North okay, Texas. That, that was a good game for most. Uh, a lot of that game, it was close. Cal like smashed North Texas. Uh, you had LSU. Yeah, that, that was went bad. against you, and you had mm. UTSA, uh, and I like that one too. LSU, can I can I bring something up real quick? What the hell are they doing with Harold Perkins? I don't know. He Why? was not good last night. Why? But they moved him to off ball linebacker, and I'm playing him there almost exclusively. Last year he was on the edge. They were moving him around. I think just do what you did last year. They're overthinking this thing. He had a career high 28 snaps in coverage. Yeah, what are we he doing? only had set, he only he was only rushing the passer seven times. That'd be like what? the Cowboys with Micah Parsons exactly. coverage thirty <laughs> times. What are you doing? What are you doing? Why is he cut? What? He's a thoroughbred, as Will Muschat once said. Thoroughbreds they don't go backwards. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I love that. Line. Also bullish on uh, me too. <laughs> love that. That's hilarious. Uh, also have I'm bullish on the Astros and Rangers today. Great series in Arlington. The final three games Ooh. of the regular oh, season. Oh. Those two are tied. One back of Seattle after the weekend. Dallas Cowboys bullish on fifty million guaranteed to Terrence Steele. Steel. Great move. Yeah, yeah, baby. I like that move. Locking up their young players. Locking this up that old line too. Yeah. Locking them up. That's mm-hmm. uh fifty million for Terrence Steele. He was entering the final year of his previous deal. Are you bullish that uh in two drafts, Rod, I drafted Tony Pollard in my fantasy league? Hey, no, uh, hey, if he's healthy. Tony Pollard's gonna be a force. I'm three for three for getting Bijan. So oh, how high? I got, I got him. Twice I had the six pick, six pick, and I got him. And yesterday I got him the second. Can round. I can I report the second that at round? The, what at the my, hell? At my draft on uh, Friday night with the all UT guys, that are all you know went UT grads. Yeah, Bijan went first overall. Yeah, I I like that baby. First overall. Yeah, put some Bijan on it. Number one pick. I'm like put that's a little early, it. but you know. Did you get Rojo too? You got both of them. Yeah, and I think he took Justin Tucker. Ah. <laughs> I got Cameron Dicker last night. Hey, Cameron Dicker. There you go. Yeah, man. Load Deontay them up on the Foreman. Ones. Load him up. All right, we're back. Uh, Ian Rod B. Three hours of good talk to go.